I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me as always is Matt. Hello there. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We have received a heap of emails over the last couple of months. Yeah, it might be time to start actually answering them. Yeah, we try to, we usually try to get one in at the end of every podcast. However, some podcast topics go for longer than we anticipate. So we sometimes don't get to do one at the end of a podcast. And obviously, we only do one podcast every week. So we have a ton of emails to get through. So rather than try to answer them over the next year, we thought that we would just try to do some of these... It's time for a mailbag episode. Some of these email-only podcast episodes so we can get through some of these let's, questions. Let's call, them, let's call them the mailbag. All right. Because that's what they are. This and is a mailbag a mailbag episode, episode, and Courtney is correct. We do respect your time, so we don't like the idea of our podcast episodes going, you know, well over an hour. No. Uh, because why? Yes. So we've got a number of emails here that we're going to hit and and discuss today. Um, I have uh, I have selected uh, a couple, of, well, more than a couple of good ones. Cool. Courtney's got no idea what's coming. I don't actually. So what I'd like to do here is we as we go through these, Courtney. Is want to get your your initial take, your hot take, yes, uh, about whatever questions that we're going to get, and then we will discuss, discuss from there, shall we? Perfect. So Matt is going to read out the emails because I am awful at reading out loud. Maybe we should get you to read one just for the no, humor of it. No, it's terrible. So I can read out loud. I just don't then have the flow of the sentence. Like it's, I just she like reads, read the words, she but reads I don't out like. This. And it's hard to get follow. Yeah, it's really, really terrible because you lose sort of the the really the idea of the whole question. So anyway. Basically you suck. I will not be reading out loud. Uh, so Matt will be doing the reading. But you will be you will be giving your opinion. I will of course be speaking because I can speak English. I just can't read English very well. So um yeah. Matt, take it away. If I was reading in my head, it's fine. It's just reading out loud. Bit of a disconnect there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, I've never been good at reading out loud. So Matt is very good at reading out loud. So he is going to read the emails. So Matt, let's kick in with email number one. Uh, first one here comes from Melissa. I've just gone back to exercise after eight months of no workouts and I'm rather weak. I'm out of breath quicker than I've ever been before. So, how long will it take me to recover some of my strength and fitness? As an overweight, overthinking Debbie Downer at the moment, do you have any strategies for overcoming the mental hurdles that I'm currently facing? And no, I don't expect you to be a psychologist, but you've a level head on your shoulders, so I'm looking for practical advice. Now, she can't be talking to me. Because <laughs> I'm going to level head on my I'm not shoulders. sure she's talking into me I'm just either. Gonna, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want. But I appreciate the um, 
the question, Melissa. So, so now, so Courtney, go. All right. First off, I would say it's very hard. The first part of your question can be quite hard to answer. So how long is it going to take me to get better at the exercise? Well, how long is a piece of string? How long is a piece of string? So often that depends as well on how long it's been since you've done exercise. Have you even done intense exercise before? Some people that we've met haven't even done anything intense ever. So you've really got no reference point to look back on. So that it can be quite hard to answer. The other thing that I will say in terms of that first part of your question, Melissa, is you really don't ever want to get good at it. So waiting to be good at it, it's, it's, it's sort of going to defeat the purpose of really uh, intense exercise. Well, that, that really is the discussion though about... Um, yeah, you know, she's talking about strength and fitness. So there is the weights component here as well. Right. So the weights component as well. So how long does it take to see improvements in weight training? If you have never done weight training before, it may take you a whole program, a whole 12-week program, just to really understand the movements, just to really start feeling the movement, feeling the muscles contract the way that they're supposed to, getting the technique right. Can I just interject? She has done weights before. This is our friend, Melissa. Oh, okay. Now I know who it is. So that That's better reference. You could have given me that reference point to begin with. Where's Thank the fun you. in that? Oh, so, okay. You've done weights before. Great. It shouldn't take Rather you... Rather well, I might add. Very well. So it should not take you, Mel, very long at all to start seeing gains in your strength levels. So It'll be week by week. It'll be week by week. Definitely. If you've done consistent weight training in the past, even if you've taken a really long break from it, your, your body will pick it up really quick. Within the first month of getting back into it, your, your technique and everything like that will just come back to you and you will start seeing week-to-week improvements in strength levels. Mm. Um, and if you, if you tie that in nicely with your nutrition, you'll, you'll see your recovery getting better and better as well. In terms of um, intense cardio training, well, enjoy, enjoy the suckiness. It sucks. We know it sucks. I still struggle with intense cardio. I don't think that I'm very good at it and I've been doing it for a really long time now. So I don't think it's ever going to get that much better. You definitely, I think, feel that less of um, lungs burning type of a feeling the more you do it. But it is quite difficult with intense cardio to say how long it's going to take to stop feeling that feeling. Um, and sometimes it also depends on what you're doing. I, I get that lungs burning type of a feeling more when I'm doing more endurance running style exercise. Um, other people get it when they're just doing things like burpees and things like that. So it really depends on your body and what you're going to get, I guess, quote unquote, better at quicker. Um then the second part of that, or do you have anything to add to that first part of Mel's question, Matt, before we move to the second part? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay, go. Um, I hope you never get good uh, <laughs> at getting your fitness back because that defeats the purpose for fat loss. So uh, I would say in the nicest way possible, enjoy the suffering because you have to. Yeah. That's part of what's required here. I mean, it's fitness versus fat loss. Uh, in terms of how long it takes to recover your strength, well, the thing is, if it's structured the way it should be structured, you'll notice improvements every single week. Yeah. You've just got to keep in mind here that you're not going to get... If you've taken eight, month, eight months off, you're not going to get back to where you were rather quickly because that's not how it works. So you don't try and bite off the entire meal at once. You take it in bite-sized chunks. Mm. 
And that's the same thing, because I may as well continue here and answer the second part of the question from mm. my perspective, uh, mental hurdles, etc. with this, don't think of the overall picture. Think of what you're doing day by day. 100%. Just break, just break it down and keep oh, it simple. What's that? I just said 100%. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. Sorry. Just for reference, it was pointed out to me recently that I say 100% a lot. And I just, and I was like, no, I don't really think I do. I don't think I say it very much. And I just realized that I just said it. Anyway. Yeah, so you just don't bite it all off at once. It's, yeah. It's a process. It always is a process. And if you get so caught up thinking about the objective and the end result, you don't think about what you actually have to do day by day to actually get there. Mm. So for me, me being me, the strategies I would personally use in this situation is one, it is what it is. Yeah. Like seriously, you, you can't wave the magic wand and change it. All you can do is control what you do on a day-to-day basis. And let's see how it plays out over time. Yeah. Sometimes, and I know that it can be frustrating when someone says to you, oh, it just is what it is. And that can be frustrating. But I think sometimes when we're in emotional situations, we can just look for, constantly look for the negatives in things and bring them up in our minds. So when... When someone says, like when Matt says, oh, it is what it is, you have to sort of, in a way, start to recognise the fact that sometimes you might just be looking for the negative and you just have to stop looking for something in those situations and you just have to focus on, I do this exercise and then it's done. Rather than looking at, okay, focusing on the negative aspects of everything related to it, if that makes sense. That's deep. Yeah. Uh, that anything was... else you want to touch on with that one? No, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Okay. Hope that helps, Mel. Uh, yeah, hope it does. If it doesn't, well, you know how to buy. Good luck getting back into exercise. Great to hear. There's, there's no luck. Getting re- back there, into there, it. There's no luck required. Well, there isn't, but yeah. Nope. Okay. Uh, all right. Next one comes from Abby. Hello, both. Both. Hello, both. I really enjoy that. I've recently binge listened, uh, and she says in brackets, if that's a thing. It absolutely is a thing. I'm a serial binge listener it's definitely a thing. of podcasts. Uh, I recently binge listened to your podcast and listened to episode 20 about, drum roll please, motivation. Mm. Boom, boom. Having lost 20 kilos myself, well done. Yeah. I'm always asked about motivation and completely agree with your view on it. And that would be that it is largely a hot load of garbage. shit. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. Yeah, I'll take hot garbage. Yes. Mm-hmm. In psychology, there are two sub-personalities. The id, which is your spontaneous side that will tell you to eat the thing and don't go to the gym. And the superego, which is your sensible side that will question why you're eating the thing and maybe tell you not to do something that makes you look silly. Something we've covered before. Mm-hmm. Some days I find it hard to get out of my bed and go to the gym uh, before work, even though I've done it every day for over two years. My superego will take over and will make me go. Determination over motivation. One might also say commitment to a cause. Mm-hmm. And also habitual. Yes. That's all I wanted to add. 
I think you guys are killing it. Thank you. I agree. Uh, and I love listening to what you have to say. Love, Abby. So no questions there, but worth reading out um, because I think, Courtney, this is a good chance for us just to get on our soapboxes and talk about how motivation is a load of shit. Okay, go. <laughs> well, it is. It's garbage. So you're never going to feel like doing something. Well, actually, you know, what? can I ask you a question. Something he, I think, is definitely worth unpacking a little bit here. Um, some days I find it hard to get out of bed and go to work, or sorry, go to the gym before work, even though I've done it every day for over two years. I still get that. So that is normal. Everyone knows I hate working out. Yes, um, tell us for the 50,000th time. Dude. So, yeah, definitely. And I think even though things become, over time, habitual, so it is habitual for me to work out. It's just, I don't even really think, I don't give it much thought anymore other than... You just do. What days oh, am I going to do no, which no. exercise Other than on. what leggings you're wearing to the gym. Pretty much. It's just something <laughs> I know I have to fit into my week. So yes, the days might change sometimes depending on what work I have on, but it never crosses my mind just like not to do it. It doesn't cross my mind at all. So mm. that has become habitual for me, but I still don't want to do it. Like, if I sat there and thought about it and someone asked me the question, hey, do you really want to go to the gym right now? No, not really. But I'm going to. So I think as well there's a misconception that once something becomes a habit, you're automatically going to be, like, motivated to do it. And they're still completely different things. Just because something becomes a habit still doesn't mean you're motivated to do it. It just means you don't need to rely on being motivated. It just means that you're going to do it. And you're not forcing yourself out of, out of some sort of willpower it's just what you do. So I strongly, strongly believe that with when it comes to motivation, motivation is something that people think is going to kick in before you start, which I believe is completely wrong. Motivation is something that kicks in once you've started. It doesn't last all the time. It doesn't last at all. But it will appear, it will make appearances once you've already started something. But it will not start beforehand. And some people, I think, get confused with that, that feeling that they want to make a change. They're, they, they're really unhappy with where they are. That snap point of why they're, they're doing something. They confuse that with motivation. It's not motivation. You've just hit a snap point where you're really, really unhappy with where you are and you really, really want to change no matter what. Then you start. That's what gets you started. The commitment to change, the, the want and the need to make your life better, that is what gets you to start. Once you've started, yeah, you're going to have days where you feel really great and you're motivated and yeah, I'm feeling great, this is great. And then you have other days that are shit and that you don't want to do anything, that you've stuffed up, you've made mistakes, you feel like crap, you want to give up. So those, those yo-yo emotions will come through the journey. But this whole idea of, oh, wait till I'm motivated to start is such horseshit. Enjoy the wait. It's such crap that it's not why people start. You don't wake up one day and suddenly the motivation to change has completely overwhelmed you. No. What overwhelms you is the fact that you hate where you are so much that you want to change. That's what overwhelms you, not motivation. Anyway, that's me. That's why I love you, seriously. It's the, it's the quality rants. <laughs> uh, I don't need to say a thing. 
I'll just read the next email because you just hit a home run. Good job out of you. Next one comes from Tanya. Hello, Matt and Courtney. Both. Which name? Which name came first? Thank you. Yours is shorter. I said. Uh, I recently started listening to the podcast. I just finished uh, up episode thirty-one, which is the one. What are the best supplements? And I have a question about whey protein. Per the podcast, Matt recommends taking whey protein pre-post-workout. Yes, indeed he does. Should you be taking it on the days you don't exercise? I tried Googling it and it seems like there are quite a few opinions on this. No way. Oh my God. Confusion on Google. No way. Whoa. Thanks for the great podcast. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, A few weeks ago, I decided to start getting my butt into gear, start making healthier choices. I normally do a crazy diet and a lot of cardio. Mm, Stop me when that sounds familiar. So it's been very inspiring to listen to your podcast. I've made a few small changes that I feel are very sustainable and I can already feel my body changing. Yes. Fantastic. It's been great. So thank you too for the inspiration slash direction. Love, Tanya. Very, very good. Excellent. Very, very, very good. Excellent email, Tanya, and congratulations. It's almost like we know what we're talking about. Amazing. Don't be fooled. So I will let you answer Tanya's um, question about whey protein. The one statement I will make, which Tanya found out the hard way, do not Google shit. (laughs) It is a really, really bad idea. Unless you're Googling us. Because they're... But in terms of questions like that, it it will just... Well, Make the classic, you more confused. It's the classic trap where you'll just land in a big pile of noise. Well, the problem is, is that there's so much out there that there's so many things on Google that aren't exactly research. It's opinion. So that's why things can be so opposite each other. People say, oh, well, how can research be completely opposite each other? It's not the research. It's the opinions. Oh, so, well... It, it well, can, research it can, can be opposite. It, it can be the research because there are differences uh, in the quality of studies and also the intent. Yes. Where how many times have we seen... Um, it pays for them. Well, our product is scientifically proven to be fantastic. <clears throat> we paid for the research. Yeah, well, that does happen. So there are a lot of things like that that do happen, which I don't think enough people know about. So a lot of a lot of stuff out there, if you look at the research, you can actually look at who paid or who commissioned the research to be done. And it's often been commissioned, which means it's been paid for, by the company who owns the product. Oh, you mean the people who have a financial interest <laughs> in selling the supplement. So, of course... That oh they're not God. going to commission a study and for it to say that their product sucks. Our protein is synthesized dog shit. You shouldn't buy it. So I think not enough people, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because I don't think not a lot en- enough people know that that is something that actually does happen. So even though, you know, there's some fantastic scientists out there that do some fast, fantastic independent studies, there's also a lot of scientific research done out there that is not independent. Well... The easy, the easy way to look at that is that it needs to be um, peer-reviewed. Yeah. If it's a peer-reviewed study, you're off to a very, very, very good start. And that will say, Matt, in the study, won't it? It'll yep. say that it's been peer-reviewed. Mm-hmm. And where it's been published. Yeah. If if Courtney and Matt's U-Butte weight loss protein that consists of just rat shit um, has studies showing how good it is 
posted on mattandcourtney.com, you may want to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. If there's a study showing the effectiveness of insert supplement here, posted in uh, a well-respected medical journal that's been peer-reviewed, well, hello there. Mm. There, there's there's merit to this and it's worth paying attention to. Anyway, I mean, back to the original question. I suppose we could do a a podcast about how to interpret scientific research, but do we want to put people to sleep? It's a bit boring. We we do get that, but I think that that is just. I think that's enough just to really explain the difference. So what what you're saying is just answer the fucking question. Well, let's go back to Tanya's question of: Should she be having whey protein on days she's not working out? Well, it's not going to hurt, um, but often it would depend on why you would be having it. So keep in mind, as we've said in the past with supplements, what is what is the definition of a supplement? It's there to add on top of what you're already doing. So if someone says to me, oh, well, I'm going to slam down six scoops of whey protein to replace the whole food I'm eating, yeah, nah. Uh, in conjunction with the food you're eating, I'll tell you what, there might not be any harm in it, but it's a very case-by-case basis. Yeah. I would probably say, no, you know what? I would definitely say, you would first, before you think about that, you would first look at, am I getting my protein sources through my whole food choices? If you are, you really don't need too much whey protein at all. Mm. Unless you're a vegan. I'm not being sarcastic. That's, I know. that's legitimate. I know. I just love it how you said that casually at the end there. Uh, so I, I personally would recommend looking at uh, where are you getting your protein sources from in terms of whole foods, uh, and you would then make a decision from there. But it's, it's for a lot of for a lot of people, it ain't going to hurt. Put it that yeah. way. Um, but also keep in mind if you're getting a, if you're getting your protein sources through whole food, quality whey protein is not cheap. No. Use it wisely and don't just tear through yeah. it. Yeah, the, the, the good quality stuff is um, is quite expensive. As so. it should be. Uh, so that was very good. Uh, can I also just say to Tanya, well done and keep up the good work. Absolutely. Uh, especially the, I normally do a crazy diet and a lot of cardio part. Mm, eat more food and lift more weights. Watch what happens. Yes. You, you can speak to this personally as a female, can't you? I can. Okay. Right. Next email comes from Ange. Hello, Ange. Hello, Ange. Uh, this was in response to the episode we did not too long ago about self-doubt. Mm. Thanks, Matt and Courtney. Thanks, Matt and Courtney. I'm telling you, it's because your name is shorter. Uh-huh. Just what I needed today. I've been a PT for over 10 years and I still self-doubt big time. To the point, yesterday I was looking for another profession. I am sick of people not taking advice and then later learning that what I had told them was correct. It causes me to have huge self-doubt, which then comes into other areas of my life. Thank you, Ange. I wanted to put this one uh, in the mailbag today, dear, because it's worth having a bit of a discussion about how self-doubt can even affect us Yes. As the trainers. Yes. Uh, especially like Anne says here, she's been a PT for over 10 years. That's longer than I've been a trainer for. Mm. It's my eight month, actually this month, my eight month anniversary. Eight year. Uh, eight, 
eight months. How am I going? Ah, <laughs> uh, don't mind me. I just I just work here. Uh, eight years for me uh, this month. Uh, this month being August two thousand eighteen. Uh, a PT for over ten years instills self doubts big time. This affects trainers too because we are human as well. Yes. And I've noticed. Um, through my own experience myself, but also working uh, as a mentor to many trainers over the years, that we often doubt just how much we can help people. Uh, and that sort of makes us question, are we actually good enough? Did you ever go through that? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Because I obviously started after you, Matt. So I was in a completely different profession when I met you. And you opened the gym and started helping you out a little bit. And then I decided to quit my job and work with you full time. And so becoming a trainer, it it was intimidating, I think, even though I knew I, I knew a lot for especially for a new trainer because I had sort of lived it and I had Well, such, isn't, isn't, isn't that the biggest thing though? Yeah. I had such personal experience to go by. I still had that self-doubt just in terms of, you're talking about just in terms of being a trainer, Matt, like, mm. you know, you get scared about, you know, what if someone asks me a question I don't know the answer to? Because, you know, we are humans, not robots, and there are some things that people are going to ask us that we may not know the answer to. And, and what's the big problem with that, though? But it was always, there is a misconception, and I had the misconception when I first started that it would make me look um, bad. bad, that I was bad at my job, I wasn't intelligent enough, I, you know, well, I you wasn't remember, a very good trainer. You kept saying, oh, well, I don't know as much as you. Yeah. Assuming that I know everything. Yeah. The more I learn, the more I realize I know nothing. So, I mean, I think that it's really common, as you said, Matt, for a lot of trainers to feel mm. this self-doubt. And obviously, Angie's a good example do. that it doesn't happen to just newbies like I was. It happens to people that have been in the industry for a really long time. And I'm sure it happened to you, Matt, as well. Of course it did. That episode of self-doubt, remember I gave the um, the chronological details of all the major points of doubt I've had in my life. It's pretty much every time I try something new. Mm. So, or when I push myself outside my comfort zone, there's always that doubt. I just don't let it stop me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, people are always going to have those situations where they don't listen to you. Um, sometimes you will just get those clients that don't believe what you're... Telling them that they, well, I'll tell you what. Can I just can I can I say something about that? Yes. If the client doesn't believe what their trainer is telling them, the client should leave. Yes. Go away. We don't need clients like that. You're wasting our fucking time. That that is probably the biggest. Also, people like that are called ask holes. <laughs> ask for advice and don't take it. Um, that Ange, I think, could probably be the biggest lesson as PTs um, we've learnt and. Now, Pick your clients carefully. As Matt said, he mentors other PTs and passes that on because it does seem to be a huge problem within this industry where PTs will just take on any client that walks up to them. No matter what red no matter, flags they've no, got. No matter what they say, no matter what their goal is, no matter anything, because they're so afraid that they won't get find another client. Um and I think that that's a really big misconception within the personal training world that you can help everybody. And we, that's as, fake news. we as personal trainers, well, Matt and I learned very, very early on that we can't help everybody. Um, technically, there's a difference between 
technically helping everybody and actually being able to help everybody. Well, the, the, the qualifications and the textbook knowledge is there. Like if someone, if someone were to ask us to take them through to some sort of marathon, marathon or triathlon, like technically, yes, I could, but I would say no because I haven't done it myself. Yeah, don't have that experience to fall back on. They'd no. be better off going to... And I've got no interest. They'd be better off going to a coach who does that, who does mm-hmm. it themselves. Who lives and breathes it. Who does it for other clients, that sort of stuff. Well, so, there's empathy there, isn't there? There is. And it's easy to guide someone when you've walked uh, a path similar to them. And there's certain things that you... you there's there's small details that might seem small, but in the, in the grand scheme of things can make a big difference that textbooks can't tell you. That actually just... Doing the process yourself, you learn oh, different the things, things. That's that's why we work with the people that we work with in particular because we can relate to the things that go between, go on between their ears. And some of it can be trial and error with some of these things too. We know someone who does sort of big ultra marathon, you know, tough mudder type things, and you know, he took several events um, over several years to really hone in on his best preparation, the best things and supplements to take on the day, during the race, um, the best recovery, you know, all this sort of stuff. And you learn it by doing it. And it took him years and several events to really hone in on how it best worked. So um, that's why you say you just you can't help everybody. And I think as personal trainers, to help with that self-doubt, really just trying to hone in on who is your ideal market and who is your ideal clientele, who can you help the most and really just focus on those people. And I think then that will diminish how many times you have people then coming to you saying, um, you know, not doing what you're telling them to do, Ange, and then it takes them ages to realize what you said was right. Um, and then that is obviously affecting your self-doubt um, and self-esteem in what you're teaching. Yep. So, good one. Mm. Uh, last email. It's a big one. Okay. This comes from Devon, who is in Wyoming in the USA. Cool. I love that name, Devon. Uh, we also love that country, the USA. Yes, we're heading back there this year. Favourite place of ours. We're not uh, going to Wyoming, but... We might be flying over it. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're going to love this. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. Hello, Courtney and Matt. Yes, the Americans do it right. See? I stumbled upon your podcast three weeks ago. And I've been binge listening to as much as I possibly can. Sometimes I love what you're saying and it really reaches me. And sometimes I don't want to hear what you're saying, namely alcohol and sleep. Indeed. We get that a lot. Mm -hmm. I come up with two to three questions I want to ask you per episode. But for a lot of them, I can pretty well guess what you'll answer or how Matt will shoot me down. Send them through anyway. You might be surprised. Mm. Don't assume. Um, here are a few questions I haven't heard an answer for in any of your episodes. I totally get that carbs are important for results and along my journey, I'm starting to need more food throughout the day already. That's a good sign. Mm. I recently heard about the idea of carb cycling. I know cutting carbs is bad, but what are your thoughts on this? Well, do you want to answer that question first? Before yes, you yes, I do. The next one? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, carb cycling, just because you, Courtney, do you know what carb cycling is? No, I think I've got a vague idea, but I've not really looked into the method What is of the it. vague idea? Well, I'm assuming that you 
would cycle on and off with carbs. So you would uh, you would increase the amount for a certain amount of time, and then for the next several days or whatever, you would just have none at all. You you basically nailed it. So um, so your vague idea is correct. It's so it sort might of like be the five and two diet or something like that. I think. <sighs> yes. So yeah. you might have a couple of days where you've got you've got carbs in your in your diet, and then the next couple of days you've got carbs out of your diet. Now, to me. Oh, no, you know what? No, what, What's your take on that? What's your hot take, Courtney? Can I just ask so for clarification? The one thing I don't understand about carb loading is that... Carb cycling. Is it, sorry, carb cycling. Is it high energy carbs or low well, or keep both? It, keep in mind, 99.9% of people, when they say carbs, they're talking about what you starchy and I call carbs. high energy carbohydrates. Carbs, right, okay. Yes. So all your big starchy carbs, like your breads and your pastas and all of that. The yummy stuff that people get addicted to, yes. Okay, okay. So, yeah, what was your question? Why do what's they your, do it? What's your hot take on that? Oh, I wouldn't do that. Why? Well, can you tell me why you would do it? First off, I'd, I want to see the reasons why because people want to do it. Because the internet says it will help um, you lose weight. I just don't see the reason to do it. I mean, um, these sort of carbs are really, really high in energy. They're really high in energy. So, I mean, is, uh, like with this carb cycling, do they do they recommend working out only on those days? Or well, do we have, know the answer to that question? Well, let's have a look. Because I could, I don't know. Uh, to to me, the amount of energy that you have in those sort of car- those sort of carbs, if 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 it's carb cycling, I'm assuming they're telling you to have that carbs in breakfast, lunch, dinner, and any meals that you have in between. So that's a whole lot of energy that you're consuming in one day. So I'm assuming that the whole idea of it is to build up a whole heap of energy. And then you're not having any carbs for the next however many days, so then your energy levels go back down again. Yeah, it seems to be that you're going to have carbs um, on your training days yeah, and no carbs on your non-training days. We can get behind that. Yeah, well, you don't need to call that carb cycling. You just call that eating normally. <laughs> so I don't think you need a fancy term for it. I would just say that what you do is you you save your really high energy stuff for days and around when you're working out so that way your body's going to use it that energy and it's not just going to sit there and turn to fat to really sort of break that down into the simplest way possible whereas if you are consuming that sort of high energy uh, processed sort of food on days that you're not working out well that you know that that's how people gain a lot of weight very quickly so um i I don't really think you personally without looking into it too much i don't really think you need to go by carb cycling sort of methodology um i think that you just have to sort of take that sort of common sense approach into your everyday eating really is what i would recommend doing well here's the thing um carb cycling is almost on the money with what we do, but we keep it even more simple. If we do intense training, our body needs carbohydrates. Yeah. Move on. Well, that's if we, pretty if much we, it. If like... we don't do intense training, our body does not need our high energy carbohydrates. Move on. Yeah. I, I, I think you just need to keep the, the, with something like that that has common sense and merit to it. I think you can take those sort of that sort of idea, but 
you don't need to roll it up into a, a an exact methodology. You just incorporate that into your normal well, eating. Well, these um the carb cyclers have to um have to measure out the exact amount of grams worth of carbs they're getting on those carb days. Yeah, of course. Fuck that. Yeah, that's why. Oh, that's what I mean, though. Where you 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 you're going into a whole different methodology there that is going to come with a whole lot of restrictions and stuff based around it. Well, that also puts your head in the in the space of numbers, doesn't it? It and does. You start obsessing about numbers, and then you're going to start thinking to yourself, "Oh, I've gone one gram over my carb oh, intake. All I've these failed. carbs. You know, I'm consuming all these carbs. What am I? What's my calorie intake for the day? My calorie wah, intake's wah. so high. You know, blah 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 blah. Whereas, you know, you can definitely. I I, I, I don't mind the theory as long as you've got intense exercise on the day that you're eating the, the high energy carbs afterwards. Um, so as I said, your body is in sort of that heightened metabolic rate and it's actually going to use the energy rather than just sit there and turn into fat. Yeah, um, I carb cycling, there's, there's some merit there. It just doesn't need to be quite that complex. Just for reference, Courtney and I, if we do an intense workout, be it um, an intense cardio session or a weight training session, we have carbs following that workout because the body yes. then is like a sponge and it will soak up the nutrients thrown at it. And that's where the uh, high energy and rapid delivery of energy that comes from these you know, high energy carbohydrates is very useful for the body. It will use them the way it needs to be used. Um, but it doesn't need to be as complex of these are my days on, these are my days off, these are my grams I need to hit. It also um, gets hard then like in terms of organizing your workouts because then you can only work out in the days that you're supposed to have carbs rather than just... Here's my, sort here's of my the training opposite. plan. Oh, it yeah. is too, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of the opposite. You're sort of scheduling your food and then you've got to schedule your workouts to suit your food, whereas it should be the opposite way around. You should be scheduling your workouts to sort of fit into your week because for some people, not every week is the same for them. I know it's not for me these days. Oh, well, so life gets in the way sometimes. That's sometimes normal. you have to change the day that you work out so if you change the day you work out it sounds like there's limited flexibility then in terms of then your cycle might be off you know what i mean so um it's it, it's by far easier to match your food to your workout than match your workout to your food if that makes sense cool uh next question secondly i have a job that requires me to get up twice a week at 1am whoa in order to get seven and a half hours of sleep I need to be asleep by 5.30 p.m. And unfortunately, I have a life. And usually, I don't crash until 8 or so on those nights. How is only getting 5 hours of sleep twice a week going to affect my results? Courtney, go. Well, 5 hours of sleep is definitely not ideal. Um, I would say that... There, there, there is certain situations where some people can get less sleep, and still function optimally. Well, that was the 3% we spoke about, the population. Correct. Yes. There is a small amount of people that can do that. The majority of people, though, need seven hours plus. So if you're getting five on those two nights a week, you're not far off. So I wouldn't necessarily say, hey, you've got to go to bed two hours earlier straight away on those two nights. But I would try to make an effort to improve that situation slowly. So maybe try to go to bed half an hour earlier on those two nights. So you're at least getting five and a half hours sleep. And then if that then becomes easy for you, you might be able to go to bed half an hour earlier than that on those two nights and at least get six hours sleep. So you're not too far away from, from the minimum 
um, really required, which is seven. So you could slowly work on that. You don't have to then sort of bang. Let's. I'm going. I have to go to bed two hours earlier. You can work up to it, um, but it would definitely be worth your while um, to work up to that seven hours of sleep. I have a different answer. Uh, so if the question is, how is only getting five hours of sleep twice a week going to affect my results? Well, let's find out. So I would say, if this is the client of mine, um, if everything else that someone is doing is really, really good and really, really consistent, and five hours of sleep twice a week was the worst thing they were doing, you'd measure it. Yeah. You'd measure it and test it. So if, if someone is, you know eating um, very, very sort of, you know, yummy, healthy, nutritious foods for a good 90 to 95% of the week. Um, they're consistent with their exercise. Um, their quality of exercise is there. And the worst thing they're doing each week is having two days a week where they're getting five hours sleep. You then measure how your body is changing. So if you know that this is the worst thing that you're doing, your body's not changing, well, then it's affecting you. Correct. If your body is changing, then give you the fuck up because you're doing what you need to do. I completely agree. Yep. I would not change it yep. if you have to it me- wasn't affecting your you, results. You need to measure and test or assess the results. Yes. Um, next one, next question here. Lastly, <clears throat> I have a major sweet tooth like y'all do. She actually wrote y'all. How cute's that? No? Y'all? Yes. Well, I think it's cute. I'm wondering if for your bonus foods, do you guys ever try things like cookie recipes that use sweet potato or dates or things like that rather than traditional ingredients? Or when you have a cookie, do you just have a damn cookie? <laughs> I just have a damn cookie. <laughs> Honestly. A lot of these, these healthy snacks are, are just shit. I tend to not just have a cookie. Because I am gluten and dairy intolerant. So well, I think the point she means though is if you're going to have a bonus food, like a treat, do you go out of your way um, to make it as healthy and alternative as possible or do you just fucking have what you want? No, what I was going to say was if you don't have to go out of your way like I do because of intolerances or allergies, then no, you would just have it. So if we're at the supermarket or if we're out um, on a bit of a date day or whatever and Matt and I... Which we're due for pretty soon. ...might just say, oh, I really feel like some chocolate. It's not something we keep in the house, so we have to buy it if we want to eat it. I just want some. And you know what? Sometimes you just feel like it. So I would um, get something that is chocolate in terms of there's a brand um, here in Australia. I don't know if they're you know, overseas or not, but it's like a... It's a dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate, which actually, unbelievably enough, tastes nice. It is really good, isn't it? It's Mm. nice considering it's gluten and dairy-free. So I would then have, and it's only sold in small little blocks. So I get one of those, whereas Matt would just get a normal milk chocolate. Mm. So he wouldn't necessarily go out of his way to get like the darkest of all dark chocolates. Unless I felt like having dark chocolate. It's whatever you feel like, Matt. Matt. Tends to like milk chocolate, don't you, Matt? So oh, any chocolate's good chocolate where I come from. We've Cadbury's here in Australia, so Cadbury's make delicious milk chocolate, and Matt just likes those. Cadbury's so makes delicious everything. He'll just get a, a small sort of, you know, uh, snack size bar of 
chocolate. So we're not going out of our way, no, to find the most nutritious. No, in terms of meal. in terms of the analogy she's making, I just have the damn cookie. Yeah. Because um, the overwhelming majority of the time through the week, what I'm having for my staple foods are really on the money. I love them. And if I want to have a treat, I just have the damn treat. Um, so she also says she loves learning Australian words. I think niggles is my favorite. Niggles? You know, in- injuries and niggles. Oh, I didn't realize. I love hearing these actually because well, you don't realize there's more. that it's different to other people. She thinks that niggles sounds like a cartoon character. <laughs> I, could, I could get behind that. Uh, well, keep up the good work and never stop doing this. I need you guys. Thanks. Love, Devin. Well, thank you. That was great. Yes. Um, that's um, that, that brings that to an end. So should we move on to emails? Get it? Got it. Get it? Got it. See what you did there? That was really good. I'm glad we're starting to get through some of these. So... What? Uh, you, you know what we didn't do? What? We said at the start of this episode, this was a ma- the mailbag. What the fuck's our email address? Oh, yes. Thank you. Our email address is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Probably should have com. said that at the start of the show. God podcast, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Or you can send us a private message through our Facebook page, which is just The Weight Loss Podcast. Whoa. Um, I know. But yeah, definitely keep sending them in. Yes, please. Because even we though love hearing from you. Even though we've got a lot, we are definitely going to be doing more of these particular episodes where we They're just fun. answer questions fun. from you guys, which is really fun for us. It gives us topics that we might not have even thought of. Keeps us on our toes. It does. And you guys are obviously listening and it's great when you're listening and you're you're thinking of questions that we haven't been able to answer in also, previous episodes. Also, uh, worth just revisiting what Devin said before that she you know, has um, two to three questions per episode but doesn't send them through because she thinks she knows what we're going to say. No, send them anyway. Yes. You can't assume. Yeah, no. Never assume. Don't assume that we maybe have answered it in other, in other episodes either. Or don't assume how we're going to answer it because assumptions are dangerous. Definitely. Assumptions are dangerous. And so even if we have answered stuff in previous episodes, we still want to see your questions and we're happy to revisit certain topics if they're really popular. Absolutely. So definitely keep there, these sort of questions There are no boundaries in. here. No. There are no boundaries here. <laughs> I'm still waiting, mind you. It's been now... This is... We're like, what, 84 episodes into our show? No one has sent through a question like, hey, what's the best Super Nintendo game? It's because no one cares. The important things. It's because no one cares. All right, that's a wrap. Let's anyway, close it up. that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next episode. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.